Hi, I'm Joy. And I'm Janelle. And we are your hosts of the Melanin and Miles podcast. We are just two Black girls in our 20s who have traveled to over 25 countries and five continents. And we want to share our travel experiences and advice with you. Like when I went cliff jumping in Jamaica, or when I booked a flight for only $6, and even when I lived with a host family who didn't speak any English in Spain for four months. Or when I went skydiving in D.C., swam with elephants in Thailand, and won over $200 at a casino in Puerto Rico. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. Before we get into the episode, make sure you get your hands on our free Budget Babe travel guide to learn the top 10 ways you can be saving hundreds or even thousands of dollars on your next travel adventure. Get the guide straight to your inbox at melaninandmiles.com slash free. This segment of our podcast is called The Check-In, where we both update you guys on where we've been traveling and life updates in 60 seconds or less before we get into the episode. Hey guys, I wanted to pop in and let you know that we are gifting the first 100 people who leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts a dope Melanin and Miles enamel pin. You can wear the pin on your jacket, add it to your backpack, or on your luggage. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts and claim your thank you gift at melaninandmiles.com slash pin. Hey everyone, welcome back to Melanin and Miles. This is Janelle, and this week I am going to be interviewing Malia. She is a 20-something travel creative based in California, where she, when she's not binge watching Love Island, I love that show, or working with <laughs> students in higher education, she's off exploring the world. During her time at Stanford University, Malia actually spent time living abroad um, in two places. One is in South Africa and the other in Bosnia. So your bio is a lot, and I, you sent me a longer bio, but I just had to cut it up. And, <laughs> and because you have a lot of like, travel experience i first want to get into the fact that you went to stanford university that's like a really big deal i feel like so (laughs) congrats on that um can you explain like what you studied and then how travel became involved and how you're able to study abroad multiple times Mm -hmm. yeah so thanks for having me on the podcast yeah i graduated um from stanford in 2018 and there um, beyond, you know, studying, I studied psychology as my major, and then the focus within that was health and development, but then I also minored in international relations with a focus on social development and human well-being, and for me, I was a, a first-generation low-income college student, and one thing I really wanted to do my whole life is I knew I wanted to study abroad when I went to college. You know, it didn't matter what school I went to, but I knew that I wanted to make travel a a priority. And I think one cool thing about Stanford was that it didn't really matter what you studied because our programs weren't, um, they weren't 
specific in a sense that you had to be XYZ major to be accepted into the program. Um, basically, anyone could apply and then you would go from there. But I originally always thought I was going to study abroad in Paris. You know, I studied French in high school, you know, Passport to Paris with Mary Kane Ashley was like <laughs> one of my favorite movies growing up, you know, Devil Wears Prada, where they go have Paris Fashion Week. I was like, Paris, 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 Paris. Um, but then actually my first year, I took a history course called History of South Africa, freshman year. And like, that completely changed my mind. After the first lecture, I was like, okay, sign me up for Cape Town. Like, let's go. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I got started. And I just made it a priority early on. That was something that I wanted to do. Some of my friends, it was more of in the back of their minds. Um, and I had to do some convincing on my part. But um, yeah, no, I just made it a priority and just went to the office, made my appointments, kind of figured out this is where and when I want to do it. And fortunately enough, uh, my financial aid was able to cover over, um, go over to the program. So there wasn't too much like financial, financial stress in being able to participate. That's really cool. I'm happy that you were able to just like, you knew like, this is what you needed to do. And like, you made it a priority and you made it work out. Um, I feel like not a lot of people always take that path. And so they end up missing out on like really cool opportunities. So it's cool that you're able to do that. So I want to go deeper into your time in Cape Town. How long were you actually there for? So I was there, I actually studied abroad in um, January of I think 2017. And we have a quarter system at Stanford. So I was there for like 12, 12 weeks. Um, yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. And so how, what would you say was like your best memory there? Because I've never been to South Africa at all. So what's your best memory? Well, so many best. Okay. Well, first of all, it was a pretty turbulent time. Um, the current president had just been elected. So it was kind of like a good time for me. I was like, I need, to, I'm happy I'm going now. Like I need to leave the U.S. Like I mm -hmm. need to just have some fun with my friends. And yeah. to be honest, I don't know if there was one specific memory, but the Cape Town program at Stanford has historically, I think, attracted Black students more than the other programs. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to go with not only like one of my best uh, friends at Stanford, but really a core group of mostly Black women. And we were just able to just kind of be ourselves, have fun, like literally do whatever we wanted without, you know, sometimes as much stress and as much pressure as there existed on campus. So for us, it was a lot of outdoorsy stuff. Like it was going to Clifton Beach with each other. It was, um, you know, testing our fear of heights and going zip like extreme zip lighting through the mountains with each other it was like oh, cool. you know having sunset picnics it was really just kind of a time of just pure joy and just going with whatever we wanted to do and that was I think pretty different than our regular Stanford life where it was like okay we need to go to class we need to do these assignments um it was honestly a vacation I can't say how my <laughs> schoolwork I 
you know, particularly did compared to my uh, regular time uh, at university, but I was okay with that because it was kind of, I think, what we all needed. Mm -hmm. And then I guess on the flip side of that, what would you say was your biggest mistake or... I mean, I, I wouldn't say, like, the worst thing that's happened, but we all know, like, travel is not as glamorous as, like, I don't know, it seems on social mm-hmm. media half the time. <laughs> Stuff, like, will go wrong. So what would you say is the biggest mistake you, made, mistake you made on that trip that, like, you probably would never make again or you would advise anyone else from doing? Yeah, um, there's a lot of random stories that I laugh back on, and they have to usually do with, like, technology error so at that time I my you know phone I had I was it was there was no international plan so you know they gave us little burner phones basically um kind of like phones I had when I was younger like track phones or you have Mm -hmm. units and stuff like that and one day me and my best friend I think it was a weekend it was like a Saturday or a Sunday and we went to well, we're, us two are particularly like ocean bodies. We love swimming. We love, you know, being in water. So I told her, I was like, Ashley, yeah, let's go check out this um, pool in a neighborhood called Sea Point. It was like right on the ocean, a big promenade. It's a public pool. And she was like, okay, cool. Let's go for it. You know, so we take our, um, and she, mind you, also doesn't have a phone that, you know, is, super capable we do have we both have these little burner phones type of thing so we go to sea cliff we go to the pool it's amazing and i'm like okay we're already here so let's you know let's walk to clifton beach um one of the really famous beaches of cape town and let's let's you know continue this day so we spend the day walking there you know we get to clifton of course it's beautiful but you know, hours and hours are passing, and we never intended to stay out that long, so, like, at least four or five hours pass by, and, like, we're out of our water, we're out of our food, and we're getting, you know, burnt to a crisp, basically, so we need to go home, (laughs) type of thing. The thing is, Clifton Beach, it's, like, four kind of coves, um, continuous, but it's at the bottom of a gigantic hill and to get back to the top the main road you have to weave through these intricate steps and I'm talking about like high steps you're practically doing high knees to uh get back up to the top and we basically get lost because some of the ro- some of the paths just go into people's backyards they just don't go anywhere so here we are like heaving and hoeing up this mountain I feel like for almost you know an hour and a half we're up I mean we were on the verge of like passing out because we didn't have you know we hadn't eaten for hours our phones don't work <laughs> this is a lot <laughs> and then we finally get to the top and then we have to basically flag down a taxi and then we get stuck in rush hour traffic and then the kicker of the whole story was we were trying to get back to this uh house meeting this like mandatory it wasn't an academic meeting but it was kind of a meeting where they were updating us on the program and stuff so we i i bust in there to the meeting looking all haggard from this day and I have to ask my friends, like, oh, my gosh, do you, do you guys have any cash? Because we were stuck in traffic for so long that I ran, oh, no. like, the money. We didn't have enough money. 
<laughs> and then our um our RA at the time like pulled me to the side and was like, "Oh, are you okay? What's going <laughs> on? I'm just, I just need some money." Type of thing. <laughs> they had thought you know something terrible had happened, but yeah. Moral of the story is, if you're ever going out on a day trip with your friend, someone at least have a working phone beyond <laughs> being able to text like. Get that international data plan. Yes. Look at Google Maps before, because I thought there were going to be, you know, a, a, a cafe or a something nearby where even if it went sour, we could, you know, talk to the people who worked there and say, hey, can you call a taxi for us? Or, hey, can you do this for us? No, there was absolutely nothing. Nothing. So Dang. bring more cash than you think you need. And also some someone have a working phone. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> when I asked the question, I did not expect that big of a story, but <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> I like that's one, and it's so hard sometimes for me to explain it, but me and my friend who are in the story laugh about it so much. We really <laughs> just busted through those doors, and people, you could see in people's eyes, like, what happened to these girls? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> That's hilarious. But I, yeah, these stories end up making the best travel stories too. And they always stick with you mm-hmm. for the longest. So mm-hmm. it's good to have. Um, let's see. What advice would you give someone looking to visit Cape Town? Or so, I'm not sure. Did you actually get to travel like at all while you were there? So we mostly traveled through the Western Cape, which is kind of like the province. Um, mm-hmm. To be honest, if I was there for longer, I think I would have, well, look, the Western Cape in itself is also so expansive, so I didn't get the chance too much to travel outside of South Africa. Um, fun fact, also, like, flights um, within, like, the con- within the continent of Africa were pretty expensive, so I wasn't able mm-hmm. to go to, um, you know, other countries. But some advice I'd have for somebody who is visiting or wants to go visit um, Cape Town or South Africa in general is just... There's so much, even if you're not super into the out, outdoors, I think it's it's pretty accessible there. And there's a, a wide range of like from uh, beginner to intermediate to advanced in terms of things you want to do. You know, whether it's hiking Table Mountain, whether it's you want to go, um, you know, uh, skydiving or you want to go uh, ziplining or you want to go surfing or you want to go windsurfing or you want to go um, I don't know what it's called but it's like snowboarding down sand dunes like there is so much really cool outdoor stuff to do and and you can um, access it at different levels if that makes sense so just really cool things you probably wouldn't do yourself um, if you were from the U.S. in a place that kind of had one um one landscape the landscape there is so varying so i'd say take advantage of that okay now that was a really cool summary of south africa we have another episode with someone that went to south Af- south africa we mm-hmm. might actually have two i don't know but <laughs> but um it's cool to hear everybody's perspective everybody has like a different thing that they did they were there for different reasons and um it's cool to hear like your side of it Mm. but that's not the only place you've studied um my next set of questions is 
how long you were in, and I'm so sorry if I butchered this. I think it's Sarajevo. That's the city. Oh, no, yeah, that's right. That's it? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Sarajevo or Sarajevo is kind of more into the accent, but I was there for about three months, and I think one cool thing about Stanford was they had this um, global studies internship program, basically where they partner with um like NGOs and organizations all over the world and it's open to everyone from freshmen to even graduating um graduating seniors so I actually graduated had the whole ceremony and then two two or three weeks later I left to Sarajevo and that is a place that will always be in my heart it's the capital of Bosnia it's you know it's like a meeting of east and west because the country has you know it had a 500 year history of being um part of the ottoman empire ottoman empire and like turkish influence um but then it also had a good amount of time of being a part of the like austria austro-hungarian empire so it's like eastern european influence and it's just a place it i mean for people who don't know you know in the 90s there was a huge conflict and the breakup of Yugoslavia you know saw a conflict all across the region but specifically in Sarajevo um it was a town when I was born so like in 1996 there was you know a major conflict going on that for at least four years the people who lived in the city were under siege so it, it sits in a valley and um you know, in day-to-day life, if we were to be there, just, like, kids going to, not even going to school, but, like, going to the markets, trying to live our lives, like, bombs dropping, snipers in the mountains, so it has a really dark, but also resilient history, so I think that's why it's so interesting, Um, but, you know, related to this podcast, I think it was also interesting in itself because me and my roommate for that program, we were both black and we were probably, you know, we were there for three months. So um, we were definitely the, I can confidently say like the only black people you would ever see (laughs) (laughs) in this city. And, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience of kind of being the only black person somewhere outside in the U S but, you know, sometimes it can get a little weird. Like, people are trying to call you Beyonce or Serena Williams (laughs) and I'm like okay compliment but also mm, microaggression at the same time Mm -hmm. um you know you're walking around sometimes people are staring at you for a little a little bit longer than you'd like but overall I'd say super positive experience just super fun to live in Europe even if it was for three months because like I said I'd always wanted to study abroad in Paris so this kind of bridged that gap and it was I'd say the funnest summer of my life to date because on the weekends we got to go on um, trips so we went to Croatia a couple of times we went to Montenegro we went to Budapest which is like I also will write down as one of the coolest cities I've ever been to so it was all around just um, super fun Oh, that's really cool. So I'm happy you brought up the, like, being Black there, because that was definitely going to be one of my questions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, you already kind of, like, went into a bit of detail on it. So, but I definitely understand being the only Black one in the room. 
in a completely foreign country like <laughs> like that was me on a solo trip to Iceland that was me <laughs> um, oh yeah in many cities in Asia so <laughs> I I get it yeah but um I guess were there any extreme examples I guess of culture shock while you were there because I've never been to Bosnia so I don't really know um so I think I had been there previously for like a couple of weekends but um like I said Sarajevo um again has this like mixed history so it has like a a, it's um population what I I'd say like identifies in various different groups um but then that can also that's also like lends to the complicated history but I think the culture shock for me is uh or something culture shock wise but it was also like it wasn't a bad thing or a positive or it bad or positive it was just an observation but um Sarajevo and Bosnia has like a significant Muslim population so just throughout the town like you would see um a lot of you know people going to worship people going to pray you'd also hear the call to prayer a lot um you, you know, pass through the graveyards and, and things of that nature. So I think that's just something that's very different for me growing up in Southern California. Um, I'd say, you know, in a pretty, even if it's not overt, but pretty low key, you know, big Christian community mm-hmm. with, you know, church and on every corner, pretty much everyone's like kind of culturally Christian or, you know, more practicing Christian. So I think, um, that, that was one difference, um, in terms of layout and landscape, but yeah, it was kind of nice to be, um, you know, just around people who were, you know, different from myself, but also just see them in their daily lives and that, you know, they're, we're not very different at all when it comes down to certain things. Nice. All right. Well, thank you for talking about that and your, like your study abroad experiences, um, like, if you haven't listened to um, Joy and I's episode on study abroad, why we think everyone should just study abroad, <laughs> go back and listen to that. It's literally like a three-part episode on planning, prepping, going, how to pick a location, all that stuff. So definitely right. go check that out. But uh, move, moving the conversation over, um, another part of your bio that I didn't mention before, but you were frustrated with the lack of critical conversations in the travel media social media space um for like black people in travel so Mm -hmm. can you talk about how you started your instagram page and like why you started it what it represents etc yeah so i actually started my instagram one fortnight in sarajevo in bosnia (laughs) um you know and a bit after graduation i you know there was a lot of emotions during graduation, I was like, it all happened so quickly type of thing. And then two weeks later, I was in Bosnia. So in Bosnia was really when I had time to process or basically, you know, grieve the end of a really amazing four years at Stanford. Um, so I was kind of feeling down some days. I just like randomly start crying, but sometimes with happiness, just because, you know, this was a uh, the ending or the beginning of another chapter in my life. So I thought, hey, you know, I need to do something to keep me occupied, you know, to keep my creative side tapped in. So people had always been asking me about 
documenting my travels and would come for me for travel advice and things like that because I knew that was something I, I loved and my number one in life. So I thought, hey, let me start Alika Adventure and Alika is my middle name. And it kind of started off with, I just wanted to like give, you know, general advice, specifically advice kind of in the budget travel realm, um, especially for, you know, college age travelers or just outside of college, because at least a lot of the influencers I follow, you know, they're staying at these, you know, the Ritz Carlton and the Four Seasons. <laughs> I'm just like, and these are PR press trips that I'm like, um, okay, like, this is all cool, fine and dance. Unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, most of us cannot afford this, or it's just not something I'm super interested in. So it's kind of started off in this budget solo, um, you know, black travel space. But then over time, I really wanted to morph it, not just to be an account where I just, you know, take my pictures of myself in these pretty places and then just move on. Because, you know, that's not how life is. We don't exist in a vacuum, especially being like a black traveler, a black woman traveler, also you know, having my um, Native Hawaiian, like, indigenous identity, I, I know when I go these places, I feel some type of way, and people are going to feel some type of way about me, so I thought, okay, I need to do myself a service, and maybe other people a service, and kind of bring in more conversations about identity, whether that's race, whether that's gender, whether that's class, um, into my content, and I think I I enjoy it a lot. It makes creating a lot more satisfying for me just because that's something I'm I'm passionate about and people have responded really positive positively to kind of my theme of I like to call it mindful travel where it's you know incorporating and thinking about ourselves and how when we go to places we bring our identities with us and it interacts with other people's identities or things that are going on there and just having conversations about that. Like, and especially in this, in this day and age, I mean, it, I don't think it is acceptable specifically for um, white influencers to just travel influencers to just be going out there and taking their pictures and not mentioning anything about either what's going on in the specific space that they are at that time or even in you know their home countries in the u.s in canada like i don't want to see really anymore oh here's my spiritual trip to bali but you're literally saying nothing about black lives matter mm -hmm. or talking about how you need to use your power or give up some of your power to make space for people so that's kind of where i'm at right now yeah, no, I completely respect, like, what you're doing. I think it's a really, I think there definitely needs to be more Black voices in the media and just, like, in the world talking out loud to, about this stuff and, like, getting more people to hear it, getting the word out there and everything. So I really, like, appreciate that you're doing this. Thank you. And now I guess I want to move on to any, like, future plans. So you also said in your bio that you hope to someday call London home. Yes! Or Sydney. <laughs> do you have any upcoming moving plans? Because that oh, would be crazy. Do I always? 
that if I probably had a perpetual uh, like to-do list or a perpetual post-it note kind of looming over my head, it would be like, to do, move to London, move to Sydney. Like, <laughs> I am just so enamored with both of those places. I don't know why. I've, I, I might have an unhealthy obsession with, like, the UK, partly because I watched too many British teen dramas growing up, like, Skin. Oh, that Love Island. Love Island. <laughs> all these E4 things. So that has always been at the back of my mind. And Sydney, just purely because... I think just like Cape Town, it reminds me so much of of, uh, of Southern California in a sense, um, mm-hmm. and its landscape. But I find Sydney to be like one of the most. I don't know if you've ever been to Sydney or Australia, but one of the most you know beautiful cities in the sense that it's on the water. And I can't really see myself living too long in a place that isn't you know connected to the ocean or the water. But in terms of future plans, the organization I'm working with right now might potentially have a London program going on next Ooh. semester or in the next year, kind of depending on COVID. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed with crossed about that. And actually, I'm potentially looking into doing um, a master's or my next degree abroad because I know that also is an option um, that a lot of people take if they want to live a certain place but can't can't work there for visa reasons or that's not that's kind of a hard road to go down but studying and doing that route can be a gateway to living somewhere longer so that's kind of where I'm at I'm keeping my fingers crossed and that post-it is is in the air. <laughs> yeah. No, you should, if you want to go for school, you should look into the Fulbright Fellowship. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, like, the actual requirements for it right now, but that's definitely a way. I know a girl that is in, like, China, or she was in China and off the Fulbright Fellowship, so I thought that might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's actually something I've been looking into now. It's stuff that I kind of forgot about or kind of knew about in university but now I'm like okay maybe I should actually look into this now especially Mm -hmm. since who knows what the state of studying or being able to um you know get your degree abroad will look like for the next five years so I feel like if I'm not chasing after this now it might not ever happen for me kind of thing like I don't want too much time Mm -hmm. between going back back to school so I am definitely looking um like looking through Instagram and other podcasts just specifically for those stories and guidance on how to go go um go through that process yeah definitely yeah I get what you're saying with like you don't know what's gonna happen especially in like COVID really like woke people up to that like you don't know what could happen tomorrow (laughs) let alone next year this time so (laughs) So um, it's great to just like go out there and do what you need to do now. Don't really wait for it because you never know. Yeah. I guess outside of moving plans, do you have any upcoming travel plans or did COVID really shut all that down? I I laugh and I also cry about when people talk about this because I had a pretty banging year um, parsed out. So I was, when COVID was reaching the U.S. I was actually in New York, living in New York, and I was supposed to go on a, a trip to 
Spain with one of my good friends for from high school, kind of as a spring break type of mm-hmm. thing. And then I was actually so a trip. I I rarely ever plan anything in super advance. Like I'm kind of the type of person who thinks about, oh, I kind of want to go to oh Japan, and I think about it for a year, and then usually. A, a month before I finally decide, okay, like, let's get this. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had a plan for about six months with my really good friend that I've known since elementary school. We did Girl Scouts together and like went to high school together. We were going to do a couple of weeks going through France and actually be there during my, uh, what would have been my 24th birthday type of thing and Mm -hmm. you know doing it by train and stuff like that something I haven't really done so that didn't happen and I had a a quarantine birthday and then the summertime is usually I did this last summer uh, volunteering a help exchange at a hostel where you get to stay for free but you kind of help them out um, either working at the reception or you know uh, doing events type of stuff um, I was thinking about doing that again for the summer in Croatia, since that is my, you know, top, top five. And I tried to go there at least every year, just because it is, again, another place that is really close to my heart. So that kind of got all swept out. Um, and I don't know, to be honest, I, international trips, who knows with, with the company I'm working for, maybe a London, the London thing works out, but right now it's kind yeah. of just, You can't plan it. It's too yeah. hard right now. <laughs> I'm like itching so much to leave. This is the longest for a while I've ever been, um, just haven't gone on a, on a, I call it a major trip outside of the U.S. Like you don't have to leave the U.S. to have a major or gratifying mm-hmm. trip in, in any way. But I personally like to try and at least do one once a year. So the last place I was was in, um, I think, Amsterdam last Christmas time. So, yeah, I'm like, mm, I wish I could be going going somewhere. But <laughs> Have a nice Christmas trip coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight something that I can't win. Yeah, right you now. can't control. Yeah, I get that. I always do a trip on my birthday, which is in November. And like around this time, I would be like starting to plan the trip and like getting everything booked. And now it's like, I can't do that. <laughs> Where did you go last year? Um, Last year we were in Thailand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was that was really fun, though. But um, yeah, I, I can't plan <laughs> anything at all right now. So, you know, if something crazy happens and life really just works out, I'll book a last minute trip, but right now we don't know what's happening. <laughs> I did see that Thailand is in talks about letting international travelers in, but then you have to stay for at least three months or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I still, I'm in school. I got responsibilities yeah. here. <laughs> My friend messaged that to me because he, we usually try and go on um, a trip every year, at least every summer. Mm -hmm. Um, And he messaged that to me and I was like, "Um, so I'd be down to go, but I can't stay for three months. (laughs) So um, let's keep looking. (laughs) 
Yeah, there's definitely, um, I recently like did do some interviews. Um, by the time this episode comes out, they will probably be out. Um, as someone had recently gone to Turkey. Oh yeah. And Turkey's open. Yeah. Another person had gone to, but the person that went to Turkey, she is from Canada. So it might be different rules and regulations. I don't Mm. compared to the U S but, um, everyone else I interviewed was from the U.S. and they went to like Mexico mm-hmm. and Aruba so they were able to do kind of like local not localish but closer things yeah um America. someone else went where did somebody else go I forget the last person I interviewed well he's actually living in the Philippines right now but he, oh wow um, he had moved like pre-COVID so at that point it was there was really no issue because mm-hmm. <laughs> he was already out there but um yeah so some people do have travel plans some people did not let covid stop them other people <laughs> other people chose to stay domestic you know it's all it's your personal preference um whatever you feel safe enough doing is the best thing for you. <laughs> um but thank you so much for doing this interview i'm going to start to wrap up with my final question why do you think it's important for black women to travel oh Ah, it's one of those things where it's hard for me to put into words, but honestly, (laughs) it's more of just a feeling. I think it's kind of what I was talking about in Cape Town, just like a feeling of being kind of the world. I think the world is our oyster in some sense, like, you know, especially now we can feel so, we are so bogged down, like we've, been shown that the world doesn't care about us yada 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 all this like all this dark stuff but I think there is a positive in being able to kind of take agency and just go somewhere and just have fun like have joy and like try new things and I think that action in itself is very powerful one for like personal reasons um and gratification there but also like a symbol and a significance so I really just implore I know it can be scary to travel on your own or even scary to like step outside of your door sometime but you really just never know what's waiting for you around the corner um and I just look back so fondly you know there are so many highs and you know there's so many lows and mix-ups and uh, conundrums when traveling but that's kind of part of part of life and I I wouldn't take those memories for granted if that makes sense like I think they've made me kind of who I am and I'd hope that people who look like me realize hey there are ton of a ton of us out here doing it you don't have to go at it alone if you don't want to like come join us we are ready and want to have fun (laughs) Yeah, no, I love the answer. Um, We ask this question every interview, and I love everybody's answer, so I'm happy you have a nice little insight into it. Um, Once again, thank you for doing this interview. Like, you definitely have an interesting travel story, many interesting travel stories, (laughs) I will say that. Um, If you guys are interested in Malia's travel, make sure you follow her on her Instagram with Alika Adventures. Um, I'll link the page in the show notes so you guys can find it easily. 
Yeah, so thank you again for doing this. Um, thanks everyone for listening and have a good one.